I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to The Brand is Female, where every week I speak with women changemakers who are redefining the rules of female leadership. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. For today's episode, I spoke with Missy Kayfad, co-founder, along with her wife, Kristen, of famed cocktail mixer and spiked seltzer brand 1821 Bitters, which got its name from the 18th Amendment that enacted prohibition and the 21st which repealed it. Missy found her way to 1821 after a career in hospitality, followed by a stint as an attorney, until a fight with cancer made her rethink her life's priorities. Today, Missy and Kristen's brand has been celebrated by bar owners, cocktail aficionados, as well as media from GQ, Vogue, Vanity Fair, and more. It's available in 48 states and six countries. 1821 recently fundraised over $100,000 with just a dozen of investors through a crowdfunding round. But most importantly, 1821 is committed to fair practices and it's built on a strong purpose and values. Here is our conversation. Missy, it's such a pleasure meeting you and thank you so much for joining me on The Brand is Female today. Thank you for having me, Eva. And where are you joining from, uh, if I may ask? I am in Atlanta, Georgia today. Love Atlanta, fantastic city. Um, And the first question I have for you is, uh, going back in time a little bit, what kind of future did you imagine for yourself later in life? And did the idea of owning your own business one day even cross your mind at that time? I I think when I was uh, a kid, I always thought I would grow up to be a lawyer like my dad. Um, My my cousins uh, both are entrepreneurs, so I got to see female entrepreneurs uh, growing up. They're, they're a bit older than I am, but, but successful, hardworking women. Um, and so I think the thought was always in the back of, back of my head as I was growing up and watching them. And let's talk a little bit about your journey to launching your your own business. Um, and I'm I'm assuming that wasn't something that just magically happened in, in your life. I'm sure there, there was kind of a, a path leading you there. So I'd love to know you know, what, what got you to where you are today and where did the, the idea for, for your, your own business come from? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I went to undergrad at Georgia state and after undergrad worked as an insurance adjuster, um, but realized that, um, I really wanted to do something in hospitality. I I'd worked my way through undergrad as a bartender and, and server and cook and um, so I'm a little bit impetuous, uh, found a bar that, that was for sale and bought it. And, uh, I ran that bar for a couple of years up in Athens, Georgia, and then sold it so that I could attend law school uh, nice. because I thought it was, it was time to, to be a grown up. And, uh, <laughs> I went to law school and graduated. Uh, practiced law for a little while, and then I was diagnosed with a very rare and aggressive form of cancer. Mm. Um, I had pretty pretty bad odds, but I overcame those odds, and facing my own mortality made me realize that I wanted to do something that I was passionate about, and practicing law was not it. Um, so I wanted to go back into business in the hospitality industry, uh, my wife uh, comes from a family of chefs, and I wanted her to join me in business, and so we started 
talking about business ideas and when the idea of cocktail mixers and bitters came up, both of us were very interested and, and excited by that prospect. And our business was born out of that. I, that What an amazing story. Um, and you chose, I mean, owning a bar as a woman and going to law. I mean, typically these industries are, uh, it's uh, women are not, you know, are typically underrepresented in both industries. So w- what was that experience like? And um, what, you know, I'm, I'm curious to know what kind of challenges you, you encountered. And I'm sure there, there were more challenges as you launched your own company. But what was that experience like and how do you typically tackle uh, challenges that, that, that you face uh, in, 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 in life and in work? There were, there were a few questions in there. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Uh, my mother always, always raised me to face challenges head on. Um, and she said, you know, things, things might be harder because you're a woman sometimes, which I didn't understand when I was a kid but came to understand when I was older and, and dismissed, especially as a, as a younger woman when I opened the bar. Um, but I think just through hard work and perseverance and um, maybe a little bit of having blinders on and just pushing through and not paying attention to any, any negativity around me, um, I, I was able to push through and, and be successful at the bar. Um, law school was, was quite heavily female. So that was, that was nice to see so Mm. many women in law school with me. Some, I went to law school with some amazing, uh, attorneys. Um, and then in the liquor industry, you're right. It's really male dominated still. Mm. Um, but I, I really enjoy a challenge. Um, so being able to perform well in this industry has been, has been fun for me. Mm-hmm. And um, are there, you mentioned some of your cousins who, who were entrepreneurs. Were there role models along the way? Uh, you've mentioned attorneys that you studied with as well. Um, were there kind of you know strong women who inspired you or influenced you? And, and maybe it was back then, maybe it's a, a different set today. Sure, yeah. I mean, my mother first growing up, um, my grandmother who, who raised her her many children by herself. So having these strong female figures in my life, um, watching my cousins start businesses with, with no fear mm-hmm. and be successful. Um, my father as an attorney um, and some of, the, some of the folks that he introduced me to growing up. Um, and then my mom worked as a, uh, at a science company. So seeing these, these female scientists and female business executives when I was at her, her place of work. I think I was surrounded by really interesting people growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I, as I grew older, uh, some law school professors that I had, I've, I've always really, really looked up to their determination and kindness and community orientation and hard work. So that's probably shaped who I've grown into as a woman. Mm. And you've mentioned leaving the, the world of law to go back to uh, the the well the hospitality business, but on a, a on the brand side. Um, it, were there things that you wish you knew before launching your your own brand? And I mean, you had owned a bar before, <laughs> so you had some experience running a business. But you know, what's maybe one thing that you wish somebody had told you prior to launching your company? <laughs> I wish someone told me COVID was going to come so I could prepare <laughs> for that. That was a, that was a surprise. That. Yeah. Um, no, I think, you know, it's, it's really a roller coaster ride. Some days you're, you're on a high cause you, you did something great and some days you're going to screw stuff up. And when you run the company, it's all on your shoulders. Um, and I think I didn't realize how much of a roller coaster it would be. I, I knew it was going to be a lot of hard work, but 
it's really been, um, especially at the beginning, uh, really interesting to see how, how incredibly different and challenging every day can be. Mm. So you just have to stay on your toes and keep calm and deal with it as a roll with the punches. Was there a moment where you kind of questioned, you know, what you were doing with the company and, and you know, or maybe some, some what seemed like an insurmountable obstacle came your way? Was there a moment where you wish you had done something else or you, you know, considered uh, turning around and, and, and doing something different? So many times I've, <laughs> I've told my wife, you know, I quit. Sorry, you're going to have to do this by yourself. Uh, yeah, because you know you have bad days. You have, we have employees, and, and sometimes dealing with employees can be challenging. Mm -hmm. um, I think the biggest difficulties that that we've had in running this business have been supplier issues, things that are out of our control. Mm, um, interesting. You know, there's an aluminum can shortage right now, as an example. Oh, and I didn't we, know that. Yeah, it's it's pretty significant. We create carbonated beverages, so. I didn't realize that every day for the past year would be spent sourcing aluminum. Um, <laughs> Not what you that, signed that up little, for. That was a little surprising. Um, so sometimes there are frustrations like that or, you know, shipping, shipping issues that are out of our control. And I think learning how to deal with those frustrations is, is probably one of the, the biggest hurdles that I've had to overcome. Mm. Are you someone who typically makes decisions based on intuition and gut feeling, or are you more of a data-driven person who wants to see all the numbers before making a call? I keep pretty pretty good numbers. Um, I do financial forecasting models once a month, uh, so keeping our numbers up to date and our modeling up to date based on current uh, current economic situations, uh, current supplier situations. Um, that being said, I do have that in the back of my head since I do it so often, but I do feel like I go on intuition and gut mostly. Mm, okay. And how, I mean, you work with your wife as a, as a partner. How is it maintaining that dynamic and also finding that balance between, you know, your personal life as a couple and then also being partners in business? Sure. Um, so we have completely different hobbies outside of business. Um, I go surfing as much as I possibly can. We actually live in Mexico. I'm just in the States visiting for work right now. Um, and she paints. And mm. so we have very, very different hobbies. Um, but the time we do spend together at work has, has been really nice. There have been some challenges. Um, but it's nice to be able to spend so much time with, with somebody that, that I love and I think maybe we're an unusual couple because people say that we're nuts, but I think it's been really good for our relationship and, and we've had a lot of fun doing it. That's amazing. And you've mentioned COVID, obviously we're now, or we thought we were emerging from a, you know, an 18 month uh, pandemic. And obviously now the fourth wave is uh, uh, at our, at our door or so it seems yep. obviously the hospitality industry overall and anybody who's involved in, uh, you know, selling products or, or making products that are consumed in, in restaurants and bars has been deeply affected. We also know that women especially have been affected by, uh, what many are calling the, the she session. Um, how was it? And, you know, obviously you, you launched prior to COVID and, and nobody could foresee that this was going to, going to hit us all. So what was it like and um, how, you know, kind of what keeps you going basically, uh, even with a, uh, a crisis like that, which I'm sure completely turned your plans around? 
Yeah, we were we were pretty blindsided. We actually had a a retail store with a small production facility um, before COVID, and we ended up uh, transitioning into a larger production facility so that we could keep up with the demand for online sales, which pretty much made up for the bar and restaurant losses, right? Um, and keep our keep our employees. So we've been able to retain all of our employees. Um, we've been able to give all of them raises. We're very happy about that. And we've been able to create a safe, healthy environment for them to work in, um, which has been wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, you know, it was scary at first because most of our business was bar and restaurants, and we had to work very hard to to shift to grocery, mm-hmm. to delivery, to online. Um, and we had no idea how long it was going to last. You know, we thought a few weeks. Right. And it's it's really decimated the hospitality industry, which is is hard to watch. Um, mm-hmm. But we've we've been lucky enough to be able to pivot and and keep uh keep pretty successful um and keep all of our our staff gainfully employed which has been wonderful that's fantastic and uh that uh, it sounds like you were one of the the lucky few but also obviously smart in in planning that the dreaded word the pivot that you <laughs> that you undertook during covid um you've mentioned your team and keeping you know your employees uh, employed and and fair, providing fair wages um tell me about what leadership and leading a team means to you um well we're more like a i think a family um we've always had this hiring practice where if we wouldn't invite you into our home for dinner uh, we won't hire you That's and great. so that's that's created this environment where everybody feels like family. Um, our staff hangs out together. Our our manager um, supports the staff very nicely, and um, you know we're we're there for them. They know they can call me anytime they want, and I think they've seen that we would never ask them to do anything that we won't do ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so we've really led by example. We're not very close to them anymore, but we're always reachable, um, supportive, and I think making sure that, that they get to profit by their hard work, keeping them involved and invested in what they're doing, mm-hmm. uh, really, really helps to create an environment where you don't have to lead by a draconian force, but lead by example and, uh, and having, you know, the team feel like they're part of something and making mm-hmm. them really part of the business has been, um, probably what's created, uh, a really great working environment for us. And we've had long-term employees. So we've been really lucky in that regard. Mm, that's amazing. And what are some skills that you think you bring, you know, to the table? I like, I like to talk about, you know, what, what leaders, uh, what traits or skills or, you know, often we talk about soft skills, which I hate that we're using the word soft because it makes it seem less important than some of the other, the other hard skills. But I think what you're talking about, that culture of uh, community, of, of inclusion, of um, making your, your employees feel like they're part of a, a bigger purpose. Um, so what are what are things that you think, you know, personally you brought to uh, the, the company's purpose and, and mission, basically? Well, I think a, a sense of calm and um, being able to think calmly about situations that arise and not just react based on emotion mm-hmm. um, right away is, is very important. I've seen a lot of managers, a lot of owners snap, yell, react poorly. Then I understand where that emotion comes from, but it's not productive at all and doesn't create a work environment that I would want to, to be in, let alone that I would thrive in. 
Um, I also think having uh, a why behind your brand, Mm -hmm. uh, a why behind your company, a why behind what you do, and a greater purpose besides just profit is really important. We're very driven by diversity and diverse hiring practices, creating opportunities for women and those that are typically underrepresented in the workforce. Um, We're also uh, very driven by the the fact that um, we can help create skills for our employees that they can use to move on and follow their dreams. And we're very Mm -hmm. supportive of of that as well. Um, So I think that that's, that's really important to have sort of an identity besides just profit driven. Um, We're very diversity and community oriented and that helps create, um, create a really nice work environment where people feel like they're doing something bigger, even though we're, we're just cocktail mixers, we're not curing cancer we do try to do do some good and do things that are important to our team. So that's that's sort of important, I think, having an identity outside of mm. outside of work. I, I, I would tend to agree with you and that, that sounds great. I'm I'll be I'll be sending in my resume to uh, to join your team after this. Sure, yeah, come on. This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Bank Group Women Entrepreneurs. Confidently building your business takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. What's great about TD services for women in business is their collaboration-based approach. They work with both internal and external partners who can provide education, financing, mentorship, and community support. TD employees are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. They can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. Um, and as a segue to, to that question, what does success look like to you? And if I had asked you that same question, you know, maybe back when you were in, in the law industry, for example, would the answer have been different? Uh, probably not. No, I think um, success is just having peace of mind um, for me, you know, knowing that my my business is thriving, knowing that I'm thriving and my team is thriving and that we're all growing together and, and going to be okay. I don't think that there's a a monetary value we can put on it. Uh, we're a profitable company. We have been since inception. So perhaps that's not weighing as heavily in my answer as it would were we not profitable. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, just knowing that I wake up every day and enjoy what I do and can support a team of people that also enjoy what they do mm-hmm. is the definition of success for me. I love that and and congratulations on on your success um and it seems like the you know the notion of community is obviously important to you uh, both internally within the company uh, also with uh, your clients and, and the public. And I know that you recently uh, fundraised through uh, through crowdfunding, actually, which is an interesting yeah. decision because you could have gone with the traditional, uh, you know, uh, seed money or investors money. Um, so tell me a bit about the decision behind that and what it means to you to be, you know, working in that way with the community that surrounds you. Well, we have some really great customers, um, that, that love our product and we've grown close to over the years. Um, and they have asked, you know, can we invest? Can we invest? Can we invest? And we, we'd never taken investment before last year. 
So it was always, hey, we're not raising, we're not raising. But when the opportunity presented itself to raise and grow the company, um, we thought, well, this is a great way to get our customers involved, mm -hmm. that they can take ownership in the company that they've been so supportive of for all these years. So that's cool. Um, plus, um, just as somebody that, that isn't an insider in the investment world, I'm not in private equity, I'm not in venture capital, mm -hmm. uh, I don't really know people in, in that world. Um, so the opportunity for me to invest in companies is very limited. And I feel like crowdfunding really democratizes investment and allows those who otherwise wouldn't be able to get involved in a startup's growth um, to be involved. And we do have some investors that, that bring some skills to the table, which is really nice. It's like expanding our team monumentally. Mm. And they let us reach out to them and, and lend their expertise to us. So it's been very helpful. Uh, and that and that's such a, such a great idea and a, a good way to have not not having to uh, bring in, you know, what could be somebody who's got completely different motivations into your company. It kind of it kind of keeps the, the mission aligned, right? Yeah, yeah, it's been wonderful. Um, what would be your advice to um, and, and could be anyone, but thinking of women, especially who would want to follow in your footsteps, uh, maybe launching their own brand in, uh, you know, the, the any any consumer product category or, or maybe something specifically in food and beverages, what kind of advice would you have for them? I think just to research their market um, really thoroughly, make sure they have a product market fit, make sure they're not entering the market in an oversaturated environment. Um, they'll be competing for shelf space at the distributor, at the grocery store, wherever they're selling the product. And if it's the same as everything else out there, they're going to have a hard time with, with gaining shelf space. But really creating something that they really believe in mm -hmm. um, is, is important, not just creating a product, but a product that you, that you can stand behind because your passion is, is palpable. People can feel that. And, and that really means a lot to people that are going to support your brand and your product. Um, and if anyone needs help starting in the industry, I'm, I'm always available to, to help in any way that I possibly can. Fantastic. I love that. And actually, my one of my next questions was going to be, um, how do you show support for other entrepreneurs and women entrepreneurs, especially? And what's kind of your approach to supporting and, and mentoring, uh, you know, the next generation or just entrepreneurs around you? Oh, people probably think I'm nuts because when I hear them talking about starting a business, I freak out and I'm like, oh, what are you starting? What, uh, you know, I want to I want to help. I get so excited about entrepreneurship. I'm very passionate about entrepreneurship, um, generally speaking. Um, I don't think that they, they teach it enough in schools. Um, mm. Parents don't encourage their, their children typically to pursue untraditional career paths. You know, So having people out there that I could reach out to for guidance was very helpful. Uh, and I offer that to any entrepreneurs that want to take me up on it. Um, I'm happy to stay on the phone for hours and help, um, help them with financials, give them some of the tricks and uh, ticks. I can't <laughs> talk right now. Give them some of the tricks and tips that have helped, um, helped me and help us over the past few years. You know, we use, uh, certain websites. Mm -hmm. We, um, use certain techniques, uh, with getting on shelves and getting into distributors and, you know, discussing that with entrepreneurs, I think is, is, it's fun for me to mm. be able to help them. That that's fantastic. I love that you're sharing your your knowledge and your experience. Um, 
it seems to me something I've, I've spoken about quite a bit with women entrepreneurs on the show is this the shift that we saw. And I think it was kind of, you know, it was setting up before COVID as well. But certainly our experience during the pandemic has kind of amplified it where a lot of consumers are making more responsible choices with, you know, the companies they choose to buy from. So mm -hmm. it could be um, in terms of companies' mission and purpose, support of social causes, um, and supporting local small companies as well, right? Being more mindful of, you know, who's in our own town or our own uh, our own market. Um, are you seeing, and obviously you're in a category where you've got some massive, you know, big commercial players who kind of kind of override, uh, you know, smaller, smaller brands and typically I would assume own a big share of, of the market. Um, you know, have you seen kind of that that shift and, um, you know, that appetite from your consumers? And, and if you have, do you think that's going to stay uh, beyond COVID and, you know, it's going to become a, a trend that's uh, that's a, a movement that's really here to last? You know, I hope so. I hope that people are more conscious with their, their consumer decisions. Um, we, I, I'm a, a surfer. I'm very passionate about the environment and the ocean, and we contribute corporate profits to clean ocean initiatives. Um, also, uh, a local charity called Entre Amigos in our little village in Mexico that helps support local children um, from birth through college, which I think is, is very important. Um, cancer charities, dog rescue and cat rescue charities that are important to some of our staff. So we don't do that because we want people to buy our product. We do that right. because it's important to us. Um, and so if brands are doing that, if companies are doing that because it's important to them, I want to support those brands. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do it because it's a corporate initiative that they think is going to look good publicly. Um, we mm -hmm. are minority owned. We're gay owned. My wife is black. We're female owned. We have female management. And I've seen people take interest in that. Um, I hope that that keeps up. I hope people, you know, are, are very conscious consumers in the future. Um, we think that our brand stands out because we have a great product. Um, so I think that's why people really are attracted to our brand. And, and if you don't have a great offering, regardless of whether you're female owned, you know, or, or contributing to something someone cares about, no one's going to like your product. But, um, but it, it definitely, I think is something that is, is trending and I, I think will last for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And you've spoken about uh, kind of that, you know, responsible attitude from consumers. Uh, I, I in, in your case, with your own consumption choices, uh, what are things that, you know, you look for or maybe uh, little little gestures or, you know, little changes that you've made uh, just to ensure that you are making more responsible choices on a on an everyday basis? Sure. I mean, even with our packaging, uh, we moved to eliminate all plastic packaging um, from our products. So we, we package in cardboard, recycled cardboard boxes now. Um, from a personal standpoint, um, I try to support female-owned companies. Um, I buy my board shorts from a female-owned company. Awesome. Uh, we try to support black-owned companies. There's a, a Atlanta a gentleman that we know that makes uh, perfumes, and we purchase his perfumes. Uh, I try to avoid single-use plastics, and um, so we try to make conscious decisions. And if I get a chance to support a company that's supporting something I care about, I definitely go out of my way to do that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you've received uh, quite a bit of recognition. Uh, you've been, you've won, you've, you know, you've won a few awards. You've garnered press coverage. What does that mean to you? Is that, you know, is that kind of recognition either from from media, from the industry, something that's uh, that, you know, helps drive you or something that you, you think is important? It's it's still surprising to me that anyone anyone even wants to talk to me or listen to me <laughs> or, or put me up on stage somewhere. You know, we've been asked to speak at a, at a few conventions and I'm like, really me? Um, so it's it's cool. I, I still feel like a little kid that, you know, gets a part in a play. I'm like, this is so cool. So I guess it's I still find it very exciting. It's still new and fresh to me. I know it's been seven years, but but I still find it very, very exciting. Well, and and I think it's also it's your 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 approach is so humble, right? You talk about this stuff, and it's so down to earth, and it's clearly just who you are as a person. It's not it's not something that's performative or, or that you've had to think really hard about. So I think that's why people uh, also want to hear your story, right? There's just something that's so so authentic with uh, with the brand and and with you. Um, and I I would say that's a, that's a big strength as a as an entrepreneur. Thank you, I appreciate that. So what's next for the company? I mean, we are uh, slowly emerging, uh, hopefully, from, from the pandemic. So what's next for uh, 1821 bidders over the next few months or a few years? Well, after I get off this podcast with you, I am heading over to one of our largest distributors' offices to have a discussion about that with them. Um, we have some we have some big things in the works. Uh, I don't think it's a secret that we are entering the CBD market. Mm-hmm. Um, we were supposed to do it quite a while ago, but COVID kind of put a wrench in those plans and the can shortage has put a wrench in those plans. So we're ready to expand on that uh, as, as soon as the market opens up a little bit more. Um, and then we have a few other surprises in the works that I can't discuss just yet, but that will be released in January of 2022. Very exciting, and uh, best of luck for that for that meeting with your distributor. Um, and you. where can you're welcome? Where can our listeners find your products? What's the best way of uh, of shopping for for your for your stuff? They can go to their favorite liquor store and ask to have eighteen twenty one products carried by their favorite liquor store, who can order it for them from their distributor. Or they can go to our website at www eighteen twenty one bitters com. And they can order through there, and we can ship it right to their house. Amazing! So we'll we'll link to that in the in the show notes. And cool. my last question, which is my favorite question to ask guests, um, what do you wish women would do less of? Apologize. I wish women would apologize less. It's a big one. I would agree. Yeah. And is that yeah. is that something you're successfully putting in practice? I, I don't. I don't really apologize for much. Okay, good. I, I never have. I'm a little. I, I've been told I can be a little brash, and I take it as a compliment. I would say so. so yeah. I mean, yeah. we need we need inspiration like you, right? Because so many women, I I, I tend to to do some of that myself. Over apologize and saying a, saying sorry way way too often. So now we'll think of you. <laughs> yeah. Please do. <laughs> That would be that would be awesome. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, And actually, what's your one last question, given your line of business? What's your favorite cocktail to have? Um, I. Wow, that's so hard. We have so many good cocktails. Or maybe Um, the cocktail of the moment. What you've what you've been drinking lately? 
anything with our barrel aged bitters um, is, is really great in the wintertime, but I live in the tropics. So I have been uh, using our jalapeno lime cilantro syrup and resia, which is um, like halfway between tequila and mezcal. It's a very Mexican agave spirit to create a resia margarita that has a little bit of spice to it, which has been very refreshing after my after my surf sessions so that's probably my go-to these days that sounds delicious i'll have to look that up and and actually i've i've stopped drinking a while ago and literally the only alcohol i can consume that you know i i still tolerate is tequila so yeah (laughs) that's a great recipe for me i'll be i'll be testing that one out yeah yeah. Amazing. Well, it was so great uh, getting to know you a little bit better. We'll stay tuned for all uh, the new stuff that's around the corner for 1821 Bitters. We'll share the, the links so people can shop for your products. And yeah, I can't wait to see what's in store. And thanks so much for chatting with me today. Thank you, Eva. Super stoked to be able to come on your podcast. So I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review wherever that is possible. Thank you to TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs, for the support of The Brandy's Female. You got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandysfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you for listening. I'll be back in a week with a new guest. Yeah.